Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm Kyle Clay Richards, and welcome to Underdog Mentality, the sports podcast where we tackle unique topics by looking between the numbers at the human side of the game. How did y'all's uh, fantasy football week pan out? Was it good? Was it bad? Were you uh, inundated with injuries? Uh, I feel like I'm kind of all over the place. Won a couple of matches, lost one, and uh, you know it was a come from behind loss, so I'm not too worried about it right now. In my abstract sports fantasy football league, I beat Feed Me Zeke by 14 points. It was a pretty close one. He had Lamar Jackson, and uh, I forget the guy's name, but he has he had the tight end as well. I was worried about a come from behind win from him because you know how Lamar Jackson can be explosive and just kind of put teams out in the end, but that didn't happen. In my other league titled Foosball with Your Friends, where my team name is Greendale Human Beings, I won 150 to 115, and that was thanks to Lamar Jackson, but also Tyler Lockett with the two big bombs from Russell Wilson, had Adam Thielen go off for 30.2 points, and Kicker had 11 po- or 12 points, you know, not too shabby. Also, the rookie for Miami, uh, Jalen Waddell, had 16.1, definitely helped put me over the top there. But the league that disappointed me was the one called the Vandal League, a bunch of my college buddies. My team name there is the Asymptomatic Mouth Breathers. So if you use that one going forward, please credit your boy for the name creation. But this is the one where I suffered a come from behind loss. I lost uh, 128 to 123 because he had, uh, geez, I don't even know what it was that he had. He had Tyson Williams in the last game on Monday night. And that's really what put him over the top. I also had the Rams defense and the Raiders ended up winning that game put up a lot of points too and I, my, my defense gave up you know had, they had negative one point so that's really where I lost my, I needed the Ravens to get a pick in the end to finish the game off I would have sealed the deal instead uh, Tyson Williams came over the top I think what made me mad the most was Aaron Rodgers just giving me a, a single point one single point and then that man looked old as heck in his post game interviews and everything you know I, I feel for the guy he is kind of old But they put a side-by-side up with Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. And I'll tell you what, Tom Brady looks pretty damn good for 44. Yeah, you heard that right. 44 years old and he plays in the NFL as a quarterback. Anyways, that's enough of the fantasy talk. I think we uh, got a good episode for you guys today. Talking about a little bit more football, but just a different way of presenting football, I guess you could say. And then also uh, the danger of NBA NFTs. Not sure if you've heard of uh, NBA Top Shot, but... I went ahead and did a live stream on our YouTube channel just this week to see what it was all about, buy some packs, collect some moments, and uh, get a feel for it. And I got to tell you, it's pretty addicting, but if you're smart about it, it could be a solid investment for the future. And let me tell you why. Man, I don't know about you guys, but I'm just so happy that football is back. And, you know, I'm a big NBA fan, big basketball fan in general. But for some reason this year, I'm all about the NFL. And I think it's probably because I'm more invested in my fantasy leagues than ever. Um, You know, I'm trying to get off of the video game kick so much and have something else to focus on. And maybe fantasy sports is that distraction for me. Uh, But there is just something about watching football on Sundays that makes it so freaking awesome. So I'm, I don't know about you guys and what your, your setup is on a Sunday when you're watching football, 
please let me know. Like, send me a tweet. Uh, go to Twitter. Tweet me at kyleclay.com, spelled out. Let me know what your football setup's like. I'm, I'm just genuinely curious because this last Sunday was the first Sunday in a long time that I've been able to just sit in front of my computer screens, like my dual monitors. I have a TV in my office now, and I've got you know three games going at once. I've got one monitor dedicated to two different games with no audio. I've got my bigger TV, my 40-inch Vizio set up to play some YouTube TV action. One of the two games we've got on the channels there. Um, and that's, that's my, my primary game that I'm listening to and watching, but I have three screens up three fantasy leagues that I'm following. It makes it really entertaining for a, a solid Sunday morning, sitting down with some coffee, getting ready for the game, setting my lineups, getting, you know, just, just getting amped. I, just, I love that. I freaking love that about NFL Sundays. Um, but not only that, I'm able to get some stuff done as well. You know, I, have a lot of side projects and, you know, abstract sports being one of them. I'm just always trying to come up with ideas of how to make the podcast better, make the website better. Plus, I'm always uploading articles to the website. So, you know, just on the 7th of September, before the football season started, uh, Isaiah submitted an article titled, A Fresh 2021 New England Patriots Look to Bounce Back, uh, which I agree, and they didn't in week one. Miami Dolphins beat them, which is kind of crazy to hear in the headlines. Sorry, Dad, he's a big Dolphins fan. Uh, but then he submitted another article today, or okay, I guess yesterday on the or the 14th. I published it today. He got it to me a day or two ago. Call, it's called Breakout Performances in Week 1 Upset Victories, talking about Trevor Lawrence's downfall, his first ever regular season loss. And, you know, that's pretty significant because that's across high school and college and professional football. And in his debut at the highest stage ever, he gets a loss. It just shows you how much better they are at the very next level. So yeah, loading articles is just another one of those things that I'm doing on Sundays leading up to kickoff. And when kickoff happens, it's all about watching your players, trying to keep track of them, seeing what's good, what's bad, and uh, making some tabs and some notes about what to do for the following week based on their performances. And speaking of analyzing performances, let's just talk about how the NFL is presented in TV. Usually you've got your typical commentator, somebody like Joe Buck, who's doing the play-by-play, kind of adding the stats in there, you know, doing most of the work. But then you have a color commentator like uh, Troy Aikman who steps in to kind of be the analyst or the former professional player to add a little bit more understanding to what's happening. And I think all of that is fine and dandy, but until this Monday when I watched a show called Peyton and Eli, I did not know this was going to be a thing. I had no idea this existed. But I turned on the game after mowing the lawn. You know, I, I tuned into the Monday night football game with the Ravens and, and Raiders about an hour late. And I pulled up YouTube TV and it just so happened that Peyton and Eli was the first thing up there. It wasn't uh, on ESPN or whatever. Well, I should say this was provided by ESPN and it had a little note at the bottom of the screen that said you can watch the normal national broadcast over on ESPN or whatever. But I chose to stay on Peyton and Eli because I loved the change of pace. Uh, don't get me wrong. It was week one. Change of pace doesn't really make a lot of sense. It's like, you know, so it's week one. What do you mean change of pace? Well, what I mean is I've watched a lot of football and it gets kind of boring watching the normal announcers do their thing. So Peyton and Eli, the way this show works, they basically, you know, two elite quarterbacks. Some might say Eli is not one of those, you know, two elite quarterbacks breaking down every single play in the way that a football player would. It's very different from a normal commentated game. 
It's more about two guys who know what the heck they're talking about, about reading a defense and also understanding what an offense is doing and relaying that to the audience. I feel like that's something that I can value, get value in because I don't know a lot about football. I know like the basics about it. I can, I can, you know, pull things out of my butt about it, but I can't, I don't, I don't just don't know how to analyze the game. So hearing these two guys break down all these plays was very, very cool. Not only that, but they brought in these guest people, I guess I don't know what you'd call them, some guest commentators throughout the game. And, you know, I came in about an hour late, so I'm not sure who was there before. But when I joined the broadcast, they had Ray Lewis, you know, a guy who is a legendary Baltimore Ravens defensive player, defensive linebacker. So you have these two quarterbacks breaking down offensive and defensive sides of the ball. And then you have what Ray Lewis is thinking when the the Baltimore Ravens are lined up against the Oakland Raiders right then and there. He would talk about what they were planning to do, uh, what kind of fakes they were putting on, you know, if they were going to like show blitz and then fall back or show blitz and then blitz anyways. So they they talked about a lot of different scenarios that the normal football fan doesn't really think of. And I think this is great for the game. I think going into the third quarter, they brought on uh, Travis Kelsey, who is one of the highest, he's the highest ranked tight end, one of the highest ranked offensive players this year, and way too highly ranked for fantasy football, especially in a PPR league. Like they had this guy up there, like number four overall or something like that. Pretty crazy. Obviously, the guy's good at what he does. And listening to these players talk in this kind of platform really reveals a little more about their personality. You know, Travis Kelsey is very boisterous, very confident dude. And uh, he was talking about, like, the different outfits players were wearing, like what the cleats were like. And the, he's like, oh, man, uh, Lamar Jackson's got that that uh, that clean white jersey with the gold cleats. That's a, an icy look. You know, he's comment, commenting on their outfits. And here's Peyton Manning and Eli Manning who are like, yeah, but but, but what about the football, man? But honestly, I think my favorite part about the Travis Kelsey segment was that uh, it really showed just the conversational aspect between professional players. I mean, he he dropped a couple of swear words on the air, and he's like, oh, shoot, so I'm sorry, I, I keep forgetting. And that was just so funny to see because whatever whoever was editing or broadcasting this this particular version of the game, they were not on top of the editing. And I feel like if they were going to bleep out anybody, it should have been on this show rather than a normally commentated football game, but I digress. Another funny thing about Travis Kelsey is that you could tell that he was trying to draw out his airtime a little bit, and as a viewer, it's like, you know, I was picking up on this, and it was kind of annoying, but every like Peyton and Eli would both be like, well, hey, hey man, thanks a lot for joining us. We really appreciate it, and Travis Kelsey would just be like, oh, yeah, man, how about these Ravens coming out here on this opening week, Monday night football, you know, he'd just draw it out. And then uh, it came to the end of the third quarter, and uh, going into the fourth quarter, they brought on none other than this one guy named Russell Wilson. Now, talking about elite quarterbacks, past, present, etc., you know, Russell Wilson is one of the most high IQ players in the NFL right now. Very cerebral quarterback. He has a crazy sense of awareness when somebody's rushing him. He knows who's going to be open when. He can read an offense audible out of a play when he sees, sorry, read a defense, but he you know can read an offense too. Obviously, he's on that end of the ball, but he can read a defense and audible out of a certain play, knowing what kind of coverage they're playing. And you know, I guess it's their profession; they should know how to do this. But then it's all about execution and and you know making it work. 
this is a guy who just you know just the the day before threw a couple of bombs to Tyler Lockett, like a 69 yarder and another like 40 yarder for touchdowns. And you know, just got to say something to the people out there who uh, didn't think Tyler Lockett was a good pick earlier in the draft for a receiver over DK Metcalf. Like you know what, every every season is different and. DK is a big, beefy dude. He could probably just be a tight end. Uh, and But, hey, I mean, look at Travis Kelsey. High-ranked tight end. Big dude. But I think the thing that Tyler Lockett provides is that speedy, seam, route-running presence where he can, like, catch a guy off his, on his toes and just sprint past him, and he's wide open for a bomb touchdown. And those long touchdowns add bonuses. So picking him earlier in the draft so far has paid off, but, hey, it's only week one. Now, getting back to Russell Wilson and his uh, version of kind of breaking down plays, he has so much knowledge up in that brain. Like, he's trying to share anything and everything that he possibly can. I think at one point, maybe like Peyton and Eli got a little bit annoyed because they were like, dang, this guy's super smart. We're not, a- not able to even do our show the way we want to because he's just talking and talking. But I actually loved hearing Russell Wilson talk and breaking down plays live as they were happening rather than hearing him in a post-game interview being like, oh, yeah, I did this one play that way because, you know, this is a lot more raw. Um, And he ended up staying with them throughout the entire fourth quarter of the game and through overtime, and they all got to, like, just experience that that raw excitement of a team getting a game-winning touchdown live on television. And, you know, they you could just tell that they loved the game and the way they all reacted. Um, You know, even past quarterbacks, the guy who's – he doesn't even play for either either of those teams, and he's just so happy for Derek Carr and how he pulled that off. A um, lot of respect for one another, and that's what I love to see. You know, that's that kind of sportsmanship you want to see uh, in sports, but you know, not even just in sports, but in your day-to-day job. You know, if you're pushing each other to be your best because you're competing against each other, why not? I think it's just a great aspect of of life that we should uh, grow to appreciate a little bit more. Anyways, highly recommend Peyton and Eli, the show for Monday Night Football. I'm not sure if it's an ongoing segment or show that they plan to do, but if it is, you should totally check it out. In the meantime, uh, let's take a quick time out for a word from our sponsors. All right, we've talked about quite a bit of football stuff from fantasy, how I'm doing in my leagues. Um, Hope you all are doing good in your leagues. I want you all to win some money. Uh, But also we talked about Peyton and Eli and how cool that show is. I think I'm going to try to watch that, I think, every every week on Monday night. If they do that, if they keep doing that, I'm going to watch it every single time. I'm curious to see who else they can bring on the show. They started out with some with a star-studded lineup this, this game, I'll tell you what. But I want to talk about something else that seems kind of like a fantasy thing. One thing that is in the media these days are NFTs. NFT is an acronym that stands for Non-Fungible Token. And yes, fungible is one of my new favorite words. But let me give you a direct definition from Wikipedia what a non-fungible token or NFT is. It's a unit of data stored on a digital ledger called a blockchain that certifies a digital asset to be unique and therefore not interchangeable. NFTs can be used to represent items such as photos, videos, audio, and other types of digital files. Access to any copy of the original file, however, is not restricted to the buyer of the NFT. While copies of these digital items are available for anyone to obtain, NFTs are tracked on blockchains to provide the owner with a proof of ownership that is separate from copyright. 
the NFT market value tripled in 2020, reaching more than $250 million. During the first quarter of 2021, NFT sales exceeded $2 billion. So I have to tell a story about before NFTs were a thing. Uh, And it actually wasn't all that long ago. It was maybe like a year ago. I had this idea of creating some kind of digital art. Like imagine like a digital art gallery where you could go and buy digital art and you can collect digital art like you would real tangible art. I literally had this idea, but I'm like, I don't know how to even go about that. I mean, I, there was, that wasn't really a model for it that I could think of. And then like a year ago, NFTs, not, not a year ago. I mean, I don't know how long NFTs have been around, uh, but the market value tripled in 2020. So I'm guessing is pretty damn new. And so it's just like, man, my, my creative brain has these ideas and never act on them. And then as soon as I, it escapes my brain, like somebody else comes up with it and, uh, and just finishes it out for me. But you know what? That's a lot of work anyways. I'm glad somebody else did so that I can participate in it. You know what I mean? And so recently I've been getting hit with like Instagram ads and all kinds of ads for this thing called NBA top shot. I mean, obviously I've got abstract sports and I have my own personal accounts on, you know, Instagram and Twitter and these things have been popping up like crazy. And I'm always like, wow, that looks pretty cool. But you know, I know it's an ad, so I'm not going to click on it. And then one day I'm like, all right, fine. Let me click on this ad, see what it's about. And I got, got, you know, have you ever got, got by a Facebook ad or like an Instagram ad? Well, I have a handful of times, that's for sure. Maybe more than that, but who's counting? And I clicked in it and I started reading up on it. I'm like, wow, this is actually really, really cool. So NBA Top Shot is basically the NBA and WNBA affiliated digital currency. This digital currency is managed by Dapper, the NFT company. Uh, Dapper Labs uses the power of play to deliver blockchain-based experiences and digital collectibles that are made for you and ready for the real world. And if it sounds like I'm reading from a script, that's because I kind of am. All of this stuff is very, very foreign to me and actually a lot of other people out there. So I'm actually having to go to different websites and do some research and finding out, like, how does this actually work? But it turns out that there's blockchain-based platforms that kind of track these transactions to make sure that they're they are unique and they they uh, they live up to what they're being called. And that is an NFT where it's non-exchangeable, it's a unique thing, and it's a limited edition kind of thing. And this might sound like a promo for NBA Top Shot, but and I'm just now realizing that, but it's totally not. This is just something that I'm participating in and I find it very interesting, sort of on the, the outskirts of what sports are, you know. Uh, being a fan is a pretty big deal. You know, I'm a, I'm a big Lakers fan. And uh, there's an emotional attachment to that that fanhood or that fanship. And, you know, when I watch a Lakers game, I really get into it because, you know, a long time ago, now that's a long, that's a story for another day. But, you know, see episode one of this podcast. It's, it's titled Kobe. Okay. And that says everything you need to know about why I'm a fan of, of the Lakers. But uh, there's an emotional attachment to sports. And that's where I think it, that NBA NFTs can be dangerous because you're collecting a digital currency about things that you have feelings for and that and you can really it can be, it can become an addiction just like anything else like gambling or investing in stocks or drugs or alcohol you know all the you know seriously though it could be a problem <laughs> but let me tell you about kind of how it works so 
you you go to nbatopshot.com and you can buy your starter pack. Well, first first you have to create an account. You pick a favorite team. You know, I picked the Lakers. And then from there, they encourage you to buy your starter pack. The starter pack costs $9 plus tax. You get three moments in that pack. You get to keep all three of them. And these moments uh, are officially licensed NBA collectibles that celebrate the game's epic highlights from the most incredible basketball stars. These are quotes straight from their website. Moments include exclusive collectibles, de- collectible details of your favorite players like on-court video highlights. That's typically the ones that I see. Guaranteed authenticity by the NBA and NBPA. Moment type, tier, series, and serial number. Highlight and player stats. And then badges. So I don't know if any of you have ever played NBA 2K, but in recent years, back since back in like 2016, 2017, they've introduced this game, this game mode called My Team. And my team is very much a pay-to-win kind of mode. So the idea is you you open these packs that have players in them and different and like contract cards and shoes, and basically like attributes you can add to your player to make them better for a few games. Uh, but you try to build up your superstar lineup from these packs that you've earned, and you can earn them through playing a whole bunch of games, you know, which can take a long time, or you can spend money and get that good lineup right away. And by right away, I mean like the more money you spend the more chances you have at getting a better team because you have, you're have you opening more packs, the odds are just higher because you're spending more money. Uh, and this platform, NBA Top Shot, kind of reminds me of that, and it's that's where it becomes dangerous because you know with NBA 2K, you can grind your butt off to like get up to a point where you earn packs and stuff like that, which is the way I always go. Uh, you know, Sometimes I'll drop a little, money, little, little bit of money here and there when I'm feeling froggy, but with this, like every single pack you 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 want or anything you want from the marketplace, which is another thing in NBA 2K that's very similar, uh, you have to pay for. Uh, and that, and I guess the comparison I'm trying to make is that NBA Top Shot has gamified digital currency investments. So the way it works, you create your account, pick your favorite player, and then they encourage you to buy that starter pack. Like I was saying, you get three packs, three moments in that pack. You get to keep them all. And I said this already, but I'm just, I'm diving back into it here. You keep all three of those moments, and each of those moments has a serial number. The lower the serial number, the more close it is to the original, you know. It's almost like whoever, you know, the NBA, when they were filming the game, that is the original copy of that asset. Uh, But the number one serial number of a certain highlight is like the next copy of that. And so the more you, that's like the closer you are to the original, the more valuable it can be. And I did all this on a live stream on the YouTube channel. So if you want to go subscribe, just go to YouTube, do a search for Abstract Sports. We should pop right up. Subscribe there. You can find our live stream. It's like an hour and a half of me trying to figure out what the hell this thing was all about. <laughs> Honestly, that's that's pretty much what it was. But I opened my starter pack. I paid $9 plus tax, like $9.78, something like that. And I had three moments to pick from. The experience is actually really, really cool. And it's it's I could see it being very addicting. So people who have a lot of money, they're going to be throwing money at these cards to try and collect them all because it's it's kind of like the modern day Pokemon of sports. That's really what it kind of feels like. But in my first moments pack, or my, my pack that I opened, I pulled a Reggie Jackson and it's titled Jump Shot, April 14th, 2021. Base set Series 2 LAC for LA Clippers. And this is from a common pack set. Uh, I got serial number 1698, so 1698 out of 40,000. So there are basically 40,000 Reggie Jackson cards out there. 
of this exact variety. Uh, mine happens to be in the, you know, like top 10 percentile of that base set. Oh, and pardon me. I just did the math. It's actually the top 5%. So that card's actually way more valuable than uh, this duplicate that I pulled later on of Reggie Jackson of 26,000. That was a serial number out of 40,000 of the same set. And so, you know, since I had a duplicate, I, I put that on the market for $4. And I'll get into that a little bit more as we move along here. But I bought that starter pack. I got the Reggie Jackson with the 1698 serial number. And then within that same pack, I had Kem Birch. Uh, he's a Toronto Raptors player. This one's called Dunk, April 18th, 2021, base set series two. Uh, this one is a 23,610 out of 40,000 serial number. So obviously not all that valuable. And then in my third one of that pack that I pulled was Kevin Love. And that one's titled Assist, April 21st, 2021, base set series two, CLE for Cleveland. This one is uh, serial number 6196. So yeah, and these serial serial numbers are unique to me. So I can tell you the serial number that I have. It doesn't really matter. There, There's no way that you can uh, go find that on the marketplace or anything unless I put it up on the marketplace. Uh, however, you can go search for me on, on Top Shot. If you go to Top Shot, you can go to the community tab. You can type in my username and you can see the, the moments that I have in my collection. You can't exactly offer me money for them, but you can see what I've got. But if I do have anything in the marketplace, you can see what is available to sell from my profile and you can you can go ahead and buy it right there. And say you did, that money would go into my Dapper account and I could use that money in my Dapper account to then go ahead and buy more packs when I am available to. And this is the next thing that I have a little bit of frustration with. So I pulled my first, my starter pack, right? I paid like almost 10 bucks for it. And I was thinking for this live stream, I was going to go buy three packs and just be done with it. Well, it turns out you can only buy one starter. You buy a starter pack. You can buy more, but in the beta version, because NBA Top Shot is in a beta version, uh, you know, they say beta, but they've they've sold, made like $4.3 million in sales in NFTs from the beginning of this beta. So something tells me it's not going to be beta any longer. But anyways, I bought my starter pack and I was like, I'm going to go buy another one. And to do it, you have to, it's, the button says join drop. And that's the call to action. It's not like buy pack. And to me, in the live stream, I remember saying like that. That's a weird call to action. I don't even know what that means. And so I went to buy it or join the drop, and it wouldn't let me do it. It said I wasn't eligible. It gave me a button that said learn more. I clicked it, and it just like took me back to the homepage. Uh, you know, that's one thing about the website that was a little bit fishy. Is like, well, tell me more about this. I want to know why I'm not eligible. I mean, there are some pages within their help section that tell you that in the beta version, they're dropping, the, the drops happen in, you know, varying amounts of time. They don't just release a whole bunch of packs all at once. They want to try to limit you and how much you can buy at one time. For one, it creates that like fear of missing out, that FOMO effect where I can't buy it right now. So what am I going to do? I'm going to go to the marketplace. And so, you know, it's exactly their plan, but it works. So it worked on me and I was also just trying to figure out what this is all about. So I'm not even like ashamed of doing this at all. But after making your starter pack purchase, they encourage you to go to the marketplace. And, uh, you know, if you pick your, whatever favorite team you pick in the beginning, they say, if you collect three of those moments, then they will give you, uh, a, not give you, but they, then you have access to a booster pack. And, you know, in my head, I wasn't thinking that it was going to be free. I was just like, oh, it just means that I'm eligible to get that pack if I do these things. 
And so I'm like, well, let's just dive a little bit deeper. I want deeper. I want to see what it's about. It's new. And I I'm curious. I'm just legitimately curious. And so I go to the marketplace and I'm searching for different moments and I end up picking three different Lakers highlights or moments to add to my collection. And as I start searching through the marketplace, I really start understanding how important it is to have a lower serial number uh, with with the, that particular moment in the collection because the lower the serial number, the higher the value. Like there are cards that, are go- that have gone for like so much money. For example, I picked up a, a Alex Caruso card. It's a a highlight or a moment of him doing a chase down block. And it's, it's actually a very, very impressive play. And I love myself the headband bandit uh, Caruso. He's a, he's a, he's a show to watch and he's no longer on the Lakers, which makes me kind of sad. But anyways, as I'm scrolling through the different available cards uh, for him in the set, you know, they, it was, it was like the, the really low serial numbers were going for like, or like at least listed on the market for a couple grand. And I'm like, dang, how would it be to fall into one of those cards and just be able to put it up on the market and sell it and just make some extra cash that way? I think it's just, it's a brilliant concept, but that's just another dangerous aspect of it too. Because then it's like, how far up the ladder do I want to go and pay for this higher serial number card? And and how much value of it, how much value is this card going to have two years down the road? Is it going to be a real long-term investment or is it really just a flash in the pan? So it's kind of hard to judge because it is so new, the whole NFT thing in general, but especially when it relates to sports. So Alex Caruso, I picked him up. I got a Kyle Kuzma moment. He's a 1261 serial number. And then I got a Montrez Harrell, a 916 serial number. That is my lowest one in my collection right now. And I got those three and what do you know? I got a little pop-up saying, congratulations, you've completed the collection of three of your favorite players' moments. Now you have access to the booster pack. And so I go to the booster pack. And, of course, you have to buy it. It's another $9 with tax, $9.78, whatever it is. And so I'm like, well, we're, we're here. This is like the, the last thing we're going to do. So I, I, I purchased that pack. And the first one that I pick in that pack was a duplicate of, the, of a Reggie Jackson. So... You know, I already had the Reggie Jackson that I got from my starter pack. That was a 1698 serial number. Uh, well, this one was a 26,096 out of 40,000. So same set of cards, but 26,000 versions later. And so I was like, you know what? That's that's kind of ridiculous. You know, I paid nine bucks. I got a duplicate already. He's not not even close to as good as the one I already have. But then in that same pack, that pack I got a John Wall. This highlight was called Layup, and it's from March 22nd, 2021. This one is a 22,054 out of 40,000, but it's a pretty cool highlight. It's John Wall doing like a 360 layup off a dude from the Raptors, and uh, you know I liked it a lot, but you know doesn't really do much for me. And then my last one in that that pack was the, a Carl Anthony Towns dunk, which is pretty sweet. It was a putback off of a missed shot from uh, D'Angelo Russell. And that one serial number was 14656 out of 35,000. So, you know, it's it's it really is like a gamified aspect where they, they try to get you to complete these little challenges. And then when you complete them, you still have to pay money. But they, they show you like they really sell you on the sense of value you have and having that physical, tangible highlight. Part of me wonders like how much I can use these assets in my creative endeavors. You know, like since I own this asset, can I like download a video file i mean I, that doesn't make sense because if i download it i can recreate it so how can i use these 
as a tangible product rather than just an investment that's digital because it is and yes that was my cat meowing uh this is the joy of of recording a podcast in a room with the cat because she is a talkative one <laughs> but anyways i guess the real value in this this uh, nba top shot is uh being able to fall into or get your hands onto uh, your digital hands your mouse maybe get your mouse onto one of these really limited edition cards or moments, man, NBA 2K really, really changed me, didn't it? But is to get access to one of those moments and be able to sell that on the market for more than what you paid for it or you know, some, basically something along those lines. It really is kind of like a stock market approach, but I, I'm not going to lie. I had a lot of fun doing it because for one, the NBA Top Shot did a really good job with their website and their concept. Everything they've done here really is kind of brilliant. And so uh, the fact the website is nice, it's pretty, the highlights come through clear, the the music is nice, uh, just, just everything about it. They did a really good job as far as a, a user experience goes and making it feel like it's all very important that you're doing this. Uh, I see the marketing aspect behind it and I can appreciate it. And, you know, being a consumer of this and, and, mostly just trying it out of curiosity, but also because I'm, I'm an NBA fan and they kind of got me with an ad. Uh, I actually do enjoy it. And I, in doing some, a little bit more research on this, like NBA top shot wise, I've heard of some like entrepreneurs like Gary Vaynerchuk or Gary V saying that NFTs are going to be as prevalent 10 years down the road as social media was 10 years ago. And you know what? I, I kind of can't scoff at that because look at digital currencies like I mean, cryptocurrencies like Dogecoin or Dogecoin, however you want to say it, and uh, Bitcoin, things like this that really don't have any kind of tangible aspect to them other than the fact that there's a lot of people putting money into this big pool. At least that's the way I, I understand it. This, you know, NFTs actually have some sort, some form of, I guess it's not a tangible asset. It's like a visual asset that you can have as your own. Um, as far as using it as your own, I'm not sure how that works, but you can form a collection around it and it has value because there's a limited number of these things out there. And with that being said, I've kind of gone through and subscribed to all the different things that I could for Top Shot to see uh, when they're going to be having new drops so I can go to the starter pack uh, thing and say I want to buy a pack and then hop in the line, the queue to buy a pack because I've seen the lines and some screenshots be that you could be 7,500 in line to buy a pack and there's only a certain number but if you get in there at a certain time no matter how many people join that that thing uh, they're going to be able to give you access to a pack it's not that you get one for free you have to buy it you have to get in get in a digital line to buy a digital pack of some digital video highlights of nba plays that have happened uh who knows when throughout the season uh, but then again you can you can imagine where this can go with highlights like, can you start collecting historic highlights from back when, like, Michael Jordan was playing uh, and when Kobe was playing? Maybe you can collect some highlights from, like, certain, like, crazy games that happened, like when Kobe put up 80, 81 against the Raptors. You know, things like this are where there could be some real value to them, and that's especially where people are going to tussle with that emotional attachment and how much money is that emotional attachment worth. Anyways, on that note... I may do some segments on this down the road as I do some more pack openings or whatever. And when I do these pack openings, I think I might live stream them because I think there is some sense of hype around that. I mean, I know how NBA 2K was, and this is kind of the same thing, just there's more more of a realness to it rather than just like, you know, you have cards on a screen. 
Eh, well, I guess it is kind of the same thing. Dang it, you got me. Regardless of whether you think I'm crazy or not, please drop me a line on Twitter. You know, tweet at me at kyleclay.com spelled out. Um, or you can even tweet at abstract sports and I'll respond just the same. Uh, but I want to know what your thoughts are on these NFT things in general. Obviously, they're not just in the NBA arena or the sports arena. They're all over the place and there are millions upon millions of them right now. And the market is growing and it is big. And I'm just, I'm just curious what your thoughts are. But rolling out of this episode, I just want to let you guys know about this other kind of thing that I've been involved in. It's called Symbol. Uh, I mentioned it in the last episode, and uh, it's actually pretty cool. I'm starting to learn more and more about it as I invest in virtual shares of my favorite teams on their website. But Symbol is the stock market for sports that allows you to trade sports teams like stocks and earn cash payouts when your teams win. Basically, you can use your sports knowledge to buy low, sell high, and earn cash payouts uh, when your team wins. And so, for example, I have a virtual share in the Eagles. They won in a very big way this weekend. And I got 50 cents payout for that. You know, the share cost me about 40-ish bucks. You know, it always goes up and down, right? But they were one of the lower teams when I bought it. And I got 50 cents off of it. But because they won, their virtual share value has gone up 2.14%. And therefore, my share return is 90 cents. So 90 cents plus 50 cents. My total return on that investment is $1.40. But the top shares go up to like 60 bucks for some of the better teams like I think the Browns are up there at 60 bucks and also the Chiefs are at 60 bucks. So, you know, the, the, the more that the Eagles prove people wrong, the more value it adds to my portfolio. So to get started, just visit the link in the, in the description or go to symbol.app. So that's S-I-M-B-U-L-L dot A-P-P as an application slash abstract. That's my promo code to create a free account. And when you deposit, make sure you use that promo code abstract for a $10 bonus to help build your portfolio. Well, everybody, that does it for episode three of Underdog Mentality. I'm your host, Kyle Clay Richards, and thank you for taking a minute to listen. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed it so much that you're willing to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, and more. If you have a topic suggestion or a question you'd like me to answer on the show, you can tweet me at kyleclay.com, spelled out, that's kyleclay, D-O-T-C-O-M, or go to abstractsports.com, go to the podcast page, and fill out the form at the bottom there. In the meantime, stay safe and be positive. I'll catch you in the next one.